one of the key questions is, how do we really scale this, right? And how do I go from a lot of little pilots here and there to something that I can really scale to change the way we work, to change the way we, we do business, to change the way we interact with customers? We estimated the overall economic value to the globe, all, all countries, is about 4.4 trillion. Is 75% of that value is going to be captured in four major domains or functional cases. That would be software engineering, product development, sales and marketing, and customer service. The companies that are doing this great, they're thinking on how to use it and not just let me do like a, a use case or a POC here and there without knowing what the impact this will have on the business. Hi, welcome to a brand new episode of McKinsey Talks. We are about to begin an enriching conversation on the state of artificial intelligence in 2023. McKinsey recently released a new report that confirms the explosive growth of generative AI tools. Less than a year after many of these tools debuted to a broader audience, companies are expecting a significant impact on businesses and their workforce. In the coming minutes, we will investigate what kind of companies are ahead in implementing GenAI, what use they are making of this technology, and what can you learn from their experience so far. I'm Mariana Almeida, and I've invited some great experts on the topic to this conversation. Larina Ye, senior partner at Bay Area and one of the authors of the report State of AI 2023. Thank you, Larina, for joining us today. Where are you connecting from? I'm connecting from San Francisco. Thank you so much for inviting me. Great. And here by my side in Sao Paulo, our partner Monica Schwarzwald and senior partner Pepe Caferata, who is also leader of Quantum Black AI by McKinsey in Latin America. Hi, Pepe and Monica. It's a pleasure to have you here back. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure to be here as well. Before I start, I would like to remind you that McKinsey Talks is a series of video and podcast interviews of around 20 minutes with McKinsey experts and guests from different industries. Our aim here is to initiate conversations on relevant topics for business agendas. So let's jump right in. Larina, our most recent report shows that one third of companies are already using Gen AI for at least one business function. It also indicates that the topic is indeed on CEOs and board's agendas. Gen AI is moving fast. Does this speed surprise you somehow? It's not surprising, though it is going very fast. Let's all put in perspective that ChatGPT, which is one of the types of LLM or large language models that enables uh, generative AI, only came onto the scene November of last year. So it's been less than a year. So to your first point, there has been speed. The reason it's not surprising is the nature of generative AI is it's a consumer experience. And one of the most fabulous things about this is that anyone of any age, any language, any education level can use generative AI because it's essentially the ability to ask a question and to get information and to get drafts and to be able to use it for something in your work. And so in some ways, it's not surprising at all that it's moving so quickly because it's, a, it's something that almost everybody can use. It's very intuitive, right? It's very intuitive. And it's very different from 
analytical AI and previous editions of AI, where you would need to be a data scientist. You would need to have extraordinary levels of skills in order to be able to use the models and to be able to deliver that simplistic or that amazing insight. And so that is one of the shifts that we see in generative AI compared to AI that we have been using before. Yes, it's impressive. I mean, we've been visiting clients all over and from C-levels, directors, managers, everybody's interested in the, sub in the subject, right? So it's, it's really impressive. Like everywhere you go, even if you're talking about other topic, everybody wants an experience with generative AI. Everybody's testing, everybody's doing a POC, everybody's doing a pilot. So it's really impressive I mean, how this is expanding really, really fast. What is the first question a CEO or someone that you meet ask you when they see you and they start talking about Gen AI? They say, where can I use it? I mean, what is the best use case that I can do that I can use generative AI in my company that I can create impact and do like something really like amazing and impressive with this technology. So like, everybody's asking like, what's a use case? What have you seen applying in it? And they are also already trying, right? There are a lot of things going on and people experience. So people, it's really trying to move fast with that technology. Right, and Pepe, what have you heard? So what I've heard is very similar to what Monica and, and um, Larina were mentioning about the speed and CEOs wanting to implement this. And everybody's moving. I think one of the key questions is, how do we really scale this, right? And how do I go from a lot of little pilots here and there to something that I can really scale to change the way we work, to change the way we, we do business, to change the way we interact with customers, to change the way we do finance reports, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I do see that question coming along is, I'm doing a lot of things, but how do I scale this up, right? And the other one is making clear, this is not about only the large language models. You need clear decisions on where you want to apply this technology to really solve a business problem, to really go after the problems that that don't allow you to sleep at night. And then what are the data implications of that, the technology implications of that? And very importantly, the adoption, right? A lot of people will change the way they work. A customer service representative, an RM in a branch, um, operator in a plant, most of these people will change the way they work. And why would they change that and pay attention to a copilot or a model when they have done this for a long time, right? So I, I do believe that this is things about scaling up. Uh, it's more than the large language model and the adoption piece are hugely important. Great, thanks. Lorena, can you tell us what the research shows about the characteristic of those companies that are already using Gen AI? What do they have in common? Well, one of the interesting things is that we estimated the overall economic value to the globe, all countries, is about 4.4 trillion. And that's over a couple of decades, so it's not right away. Um, but what's interesting about that is 75% of that value is going to be captured in four major domains or functional cases. That would be software engineering, product development, sales and marketing, and customer service. And so one of the characteristics when you ask what's similar across companies is a lot of the use cases really relate to those core domains. So you see a lot of people using this for their IT productivity, helping with Q 
QA, helping with coding, helping to actually get some of the core software engineering work done. You also see people thinking about it for digital marketing and how they change some of the ability to reach customers in a more unique way. Um, you commonly see this for call centers or any kind of call customer support. How do you actually help and give those agents more information? So some of the key similarities we see is that companies actually are using similar use cases. That said, I want to come back to what Pepe said just a minute ago, which is the very best companies are thinking about generative AI as a rocket ship to their existing strategies. They're not thinking about it as a shiny object to try and pilot. They're saying, this is an amazing technology. How can it accelerate parts of my strategy? And oh, by the way, there may be parts of my strategy it's not relevant for. So it's as important to say where it can be used to where it can't be used. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the most successful companies right now have really said, how can I use this in service of something I'm trying to do, which is a top priority? Now, that might be a better customer experience. If you have a lot of call centers or maybe you're a telecom company, it might be shorter resolution time and less you know, churn of your customers. So it may come down to things that feel like typical business problems. And that's a really good thing when we connect the power of this technology to solving things that we were already working on in a faster and more creative way. That's the magic. So, Monica, do you see the same aspect that Lorena just mentioned here in Brazil and Latin America in general? Definitely. For sure, like the B2C clients, they're going exactly a Lorena saying like personalization, digital marketing, call center. I also serve a lot of B2B clients and I see a lot of cases that has to do with maintenance. So it's the same similarity of the call center. I mean, how to use the manuals to try to get the answer faster. And I think accelerates a lot in the process. And uh, I totally agree with what Larina is saying. It's that it's about the strategy, right? I mean, how are you going to use this to make your business grow, right? I mean, what's the strategy? What do I want with it? So the companies that are doing this great, they're thinking on how to use it and not just let me do like a, a use case or a POC here and there without knowing what's the impact this will have on the business, right? So I uh, totally agree. And it's moving really fast here as well. Just complementing Latin America clients I'm working with to give some examples, right? One of them has implemented Gen AI to improve their coding productivity and the gains they're getting is 30 to 40%. I mean, if you can imagine as a CEO of a company, all of a sudden your IT budget can deliver 30 to 40% more. Amazing. It's huge, right? In terms of the customer care that Monica was saying, we're helping our clients now uh, transcribe 100% of the calls um, in a much cheaper way with Gen AI, and then the calls are sum summarized, synthesized, and we can do some root cause analysis on what's driving the calls and what's, uh, what are the root causes of problems. We can score the sentiment of the client in a very easy way. We can score how the call center agent resolved the problem. So it's, it's really amazing. And then if you go to hyper-personalization, we were talking with a client today, the ability to send like personalized messages at scale, right, to profiles that are also identified by Gen AI in a much easier way. I think it's we're up for a revolution. And again, what I'm seeing my clients wrestle with is, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing, I'm doing that, but 
how do I scale this up, right? I have, I have this use case, I'm using this technology, that use case, I'm using that other technology. I'm doing a lot of things by hand. How do I put this in an MLOps framework that I can replicate this over time and automate? So I think the initial moment is really hard. Uh, it's, it's been really fast. The hard part now is how do we scale and how do we really embed this into everything we do? Interesting. Very interesting. Thanks, Bev. And Lorena, one finding that drives a lot of attention is that companies that are more mature in deploying traditional AI plan to use Gen AI not to reduce costs, but to create new businesses and new sources of revenue. Can you tell us how they are doing that? Absolutely. I, I did want to share two things that I really love about generative AI, which relate to how companies are using this for impact. Um, as Pepe was telling those concrete examples, which are really powerful, maybe to bring home two things that it does really well. Generative AI addresses unstructured data, whereas previously we were looking at structured data. I mean, that's such an unlock. Unstructured data, you know, your PDFs, your Word documents, your PowerPoints, your workspace documents, all of that information can actually be pulled into a way that helps you generate um, a summary, a draft, an outcome. That I think is really exciting from a technology and shift perspective. The other thing that is amazing is that it's very good at languages. So if you run an operation that spans Latin America and Brazil, the fact that it can actually toggle English, Portuguese, Spanish, and other languages at the ease of seconds. This I think is also really amazing. I would imagine a lot of clients have information in different languages in different places. Just think about a consumer company that has customer reviews in multiple languages. The idea that you could pull all of that to say, what is this customer? This customer who is maybe 60 years old and is looking for this product and has purchased this in the past, what might they most be interested in? Who are other customers who are like them? I mean, that's, <laughs> I just think that is so cool, which I think relates to your original question, which is how are companies using this in terms of scale and value? And there are a couple of things. One is this earlier point that it's related to their overall strategy. The second thing is for reasons of the imperfection of the technology, as we are in early stages of this technology, as well as the promise of what it can deliver. A lot of companies are using this as an augmentation. And that's a very fancy word for saying, I gave you a power pack as a human. So giving this to people and employees as tools to make them more productive. Let me give you a really concrete example. One is that I am a sales rep and I spend maybe 40% of my time with customers. The rest of my time during the week, I'm doing a whole bunch of non-customer facing activities. If generative AI can help take 10 or 20% out, it allows me to do the thing that I'm very good at, which is spend time with customers and spend more time with customers to make them happier or maybe even reach more customers. And so a lot of companies are thinking of these incredibly practical ways to empower their employees to do their jobs better. Another example, and at the call center was raised a couple times, is Stanford University did a really interesting analysis of the early findings on a call center case. And they tested those with generative AI support and without. And what they found were things that the call center agents 
who had generative AI felt that they could be higher performers, that they were able to show and gain expertise more quickly. They were happier and they also showed traditional business metrics, you know, faster call resolution, higher NPS. And so one of the things that this one study shows is that it's kind of like a win for everybody. Like the company productivity results are better and the individual employees are happier. Now, I don't want to overpaint that it's a fairy tale and it's going to just be magical for everyone. It takes a lot to think about how to get there. But what we're seeing in some of these use cases is the ability for companies and employees to win. And that is pretty special. What Larina just mentioned about giving the ability to, to run and to run faster, to me, is highly inspiring because if you think about it, you have on the marketing and sales side, as she was mentioning, incredible abilities to do personalization at scale, messaging. Then you have in the operations engines, multiple use cases, be it in customer care, be it in um, B2B in maintenance and production. Then you go to finance and HR, and you can also revolutionize those areas as well. If you look at the end-to-end -end of a company, you can really transform industries with this, right? So when you look at it and you say, wow, this first phase adding productivity, that's great. But then we can rethink our business models, right? We can rethink how we do business. And coming back to your question, the first wave of, of applications have been all around efficiency and productivity. But I, I really like the augmentation piece, the helping people run, because then you can change industries, you can change companies. And I think that's really exciting. So you touched this point and Lorena also talked about the professionals. So uh, moving to the next topic that Gen AI is very strong on is talent. So Lorena, companies are predicting that hiring AI talent will change considerably over the next three years. What does the research say about that? There's um, a lot of opportunity and I would also say there's fear. There's fear that this will replace jobs or that it will be hard to reskill workers. And these are phrases you hear a lot. Maybe to unpack that into a couple of really practical things. Mm -hmm. The first thing that we see with generative AI, which we've seen in other automation technologies, is it introduces jobs that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So a really good example is you can now apply to become a prompt engineer. And in the United States, that's about 200 or 300K of salary a year. So it's actually a, a fairly high paying job. That job didn't exist four years ago and certainly not when I was graduating from university could you apply to be a prompt engineer. So that's one example, new jobs and professions that are created. Um, the second type of impact on jobs is that your job changes in a really material way. Because generative AI isn't changing a whole job class, it's changing the activities. And our research shows that 60 to 70% of activities in many jobs could be replaced by generative AI, which means that if I am a doctor, if I am a lawyer, if I am a finance manager, if I am a sales rep, my job, how I do my job can change. This is what Pepe was remarking is, the, is kind of the further innovation. And what that means is I may still have that job, but I may need to learn more skills or I might need different capabilities to be good at my job. So let me give you a really good example. If um, I am a wealth manager um, and I work for a bank, right now, a lot of maybe what helps me be good at my job is doing a bunch of the analysis and pulling together the information in service of 
a investment decision. But with generative AI, some of that may be accelerated and, and generative AI may be able to do a lot of that drafting. That means that for me as a wealth manager, my judgment and ability to interpret the implications become far more important. Now, I may have been doing that before, but it becomes much more of what you know makes me good at my job. And so it's, it's the kind of idea that you refactor, so to speak, your work. And how do we support wonderful people who are in these jobs today make those transitions? The last category is there can be, and we see these in other automation technologies, jobs lost. We simply may not need as much of certain types of jobs. And what will be important is that we have the public sector and the private sector investing in the type of job transition support for those individuals. I'm quite excited about how this can augment your jobs, right? When you look at the software developers using the copilots and gaining productivity, and when you use, when you see the call center agents being able to interact in a much better way, and when you see people helping customers in chats and being able to have like predefined responses, and you see marketeers being able to do amazing designs and advertising and everything in much shorter timeframes, it, it gets really exciting. So um, the secret now is how do you make this excitement become reality and drive business value and scale, right? Right. And Rena, what can companies do to reskill this workforce? What is their role in this process? So this is actually a throwback to strategy. So this is not a moment where you're just building pilots. This is a time where it's important to think about what are the scenarios of my workforce going forward, not in the next 12 months, in the next three to five years. And given the types of jobs and roles, and also given my relative appetite as a company to lean forward on this technology, how radical do I want to go on augmentation? How conservative do I want to go? Based on those set of things, you should have a workforce perspective of where you're headed. That's the strategy. And then if I know that, I can work from that to say, what sets of support do I need to give for job transitions? Which jobs will be affected in terms of being replaced? Which jobs will be substantially changed, which I need to get ready for? And which jobs may not be touched at all, but some of those people may be curious to actually acquire skills to apply for some other types of jobs. Um, that's the type of strategic talent management that I think is pretty urgent for companies to start thinking about now that we understand the power of the technology. This is all so interesting. I would have many more questions to ask you, but unfortunately our time is running out here. So Lorena, here's one last question for you and after for Pepe and Monica too. If you were a CEO of a company today, what would you prioritize on Gen AI? Speed. I would prioritize speed. And I would make sure that it's one of my top five priorities and part of how I innovate the company going forward. Monica. Totally. I would say also productivity, right? How do I make my company more productive and faster? How do I can bring value to my company with this? Pepe. I don't know if it's very urgent, but speed, productivity, but reinvention. I think this is an opportunity also for reinvention and the faster you do it and the faster you think about it, the more you can direct all your investments and efforts in augmentation and productivity towards reinvention. Great. Three great words here that you use. 
So, Lorena, Monica, and Pepe, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a wonderful conversation here. Thank you so thank much. You, you Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Thank you. Gen AI is such a complex and fascinating topic that new questions and reflections come up every day. I encourage you to contact our experts by emailing to McKinsey-Talks at McKinsey.com. You can also obtain our latest State of AI 2023 report by accessing the link in the description of this episode. The full catalog of the McKinsey Talk series can be found on McKinseyTalks.com. There you can also check out this episode and previous ones in video or podcast. Thank you and see you next time. <music>